0: From 12 News in Phoenix, Arizona, this is Downfall. The whole city of China is going to shut down for this game. We're ready to come out and show like the state of Arizona that Hamilton still has it. Similar to what happened in Penn State. People aren't going to want to be affiliated with that negative energy that's going on there. We do believe that there is more than enough evidence. Hell on earth you know, would be a good way of summing it up. They're angry, uh, they're upset that no one came forward. I don't know what I would have done different. Because we didn't know. I just want the Hamilton standard and name to be clear. First, a quick recap. Six players on the high-profile Hamilton High School football team had been arrested, accused of hazing other players, not just teasing or giving other players a hard time. This was sexual, sodomy in some cases. Police were accusing them of kidnapping, sexual assault. All of those kids were underage, but one was charged as an adult. That was Nathaniel Thomas. This individual, the suspect, is the one who used his fingers to penetrate his anus. He indicated that he viewed his hands in between his legs. Prosecutors were going after him, even as his lawyer claimed there was no proof. The cops had victims who gave statements, but Nathaniel's lawyer claimed no one actually saw Nathaniel doing anything. Full name and date of birth. Nathaniel Thomas, 327. Nathaniel Thomas is 17, African-American, about as tall as his lawyer, which is to say about average height for a 17-year-old. But in his mugshot, he looks a little younger. He's wearing an orange track jacket, his hair tall and dyed blonde toward the tips. Not quite 90s boy band blonde, more like Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. blonde. But what gets me is the expression on Nathaniel's face. One eyebrow raised, eyes wide. It's almost like he can't believe he's really there, maybe a little afraid. Nathaniel Thomas was a good player, not unbelievably good, but good enough to be ranked 14th best cornerback in the state, 530th in the country, according to MaxPreps.com. That's a high school sports website that keeps track of pretty much every team and every player. He was number 92 on the field. Once again, reporter Monique Griego. But the most severe of the charges are under him. That's why he was charged as an adult. So the most severe ones are mostly him. The other guys kind of around him admitted to holding them down, to witnessing it here's where the legal process gets a little complicated but bear with me here nathaniel thomas originally had been denied bail that was during his initial appearance in jail when he appeared before a judge over video before 2017 that would have been it nathaniel would have gone to jail until his trial but there was an appeals court ruling at the beginning of 2017 that said all defendants in arizona were entitled to at least a bail hearing Before that, anyone charged with a sex crime against someone under 15 was locked up. No bail, no question. So Nathaniel Thomas got a hearing to determine what kind of risk he might pose to the community. His friends and family showed up in force. And this whole allegation stuff, I know that's not him. So I would never in a million years ever think that this was ever true, and I know it isn't. The hearing turned into a second bail hearing instead, and Nathaniel's lawyer, Ken Countryman, got Nathaniel's bail set at $25,000. Nathaniel walked out the back of the jail, straight into his mom's arms, wearing that same orange track jacket. To watch the video, you can't even see Nathaniel's face. His mom has a tight grip on him, pulling him to her. And they head straight to their car, not stopping for any statements or anything. Outside the courthouse, Countryman held a press conference. Countryman's not one of the usual high profile attorneys we end up talking to outside court in Arizona, and there are a lot of lawyers who love the cameras. They have TV radar. You turn on the camera and they show up, even if it's not their case. That's not Ken Countryman. Countryman answered questions surrounded by cameras and reporters in the front, Nathaniel's friends and family in the back. Absolutely not. He did not. Uh, violate anybody's rectum. He did not grab anybody in the genital area. And that's been Nathaniel's story since the beginning. He says it never happened. None of it. He's not even saying something less than full-on penetration happened. He's saying it's all being made up. Ken Countryman said it was like Lord of the Flies in there. His words. And Countryman was laying the blame at someone else's feet. Well, I'm not going to name individual names, but I think he's the head coach, and so he's certainly uh, clearly not Uh, someone who um, supervises this locker room appropriately." There it was. Someone was publicly accusing Coach Steve Bellis of having some kind of involvement in this. Not participating, of course, but turning a blind eye at the least. And under Arizona law, teachers are mandatory reporters. That means if they suspect or get a report of abuse, they have to report it to the cops and Bellis qualified as a mandatory reporter. Ryan Cody talked to a lawyer when this all happened. Failure to report or a duty to report. Attorney Hector Diaz outlining Arizona Statute 133620A. The statute is very clear that if a person reasonably believes that that child has suffered some kind of harm, child abuse, a potentially even a sex offense, that they have a duty then to bring that injury to light. And if they don't do so, they could suffer, suffer punishment. There was something else, something in the police report that Monique Griego had obtained, something that raised questions about what the coaches and administration knew about the hazing and when they knew it. Charlie Edsidy did a follow-up story after Nathaniel Thomas was arrested. Here's a portion of her report from that day. According to police, when staff and administrators were interviewed regarding the situation in the locker room, they expressed conflicting levels of knowledge and blamed the design of the building for not allowing a coach's office to be near the locker room. The report also noted there was no documentation of the school's investigation into the assault claims that were left via voicemail at the end of January. Of course, the cops had interviewed the coaches and staff as part of the investigation. That wasn't surprising, but it was surprising that they would blame the design of the building. The police report didn't say the coaches denied anything. They said they were hampered by the design of the field house. They said the coaches' offices were positioned so that they couldn't see into the locker room. Basically, don't blame us, we couldn't see anything. But Chandler police were saying someone had called the school and left a message about hazing on the football team. And no one could find any documentation of an investigation or that call. It was never recorded. We've only ever heard from two players on Bellis' team. There was Lattimore Hervey, who talked to us the day of the arrests, and another player that Ryan Cody talked to. If Coach Bellis seen something, he would automatically report it, no doubt, in my mind. That player didn't want his name used, and Ryan agreed to disguise his voice. Days, weeks after the first arrests, Nathaniel's court appearance, the court documents, this player didn't believe Bellis would have turned a blind eye. I know Coach Bellis very well. He's a great teacher, and he's a great coach. I knew if anything like this happened, he would report to the school immediately. He wouldn't just walk in and like, oh, there's nothing wrong. Maybe not Bellis, but the court paperwork hinted that some coach did. I'll read you the paragraph from the actual paperwork. A student disclosed witnessing a coach entering the locker room during at least one assault. However, this could not be independently verified. Still, even then, Charlie and pretty much everyone else never really thought this would come back on Bellis. Because it was one of those things where you think about it and you go, there's no way. There's no way that he could he could know something and right. not say anything, right? Like you know that's that's a fireable offense. That's oh, a totally. Crime. That's yes. And then if you're the head, if you're this level of head coach, how do you not know what's going on on your team? So exactly. Of course, everybody thought there's no way this could have been going on. I don't think anybody initially looked at the facts of this case and immediately said, "Oh, the coach knew something." Um, it just progressed and progressed and progressed. To in that direction, and when it was finally announced, I think that was pretty shocking. The first announcement? That Bellis had been kicked off the team. He would not be coaching the Hamilton Huskies after winning seven state championships with them. But again, something was strange about that announcement. Something strange about the whole situation. Everyone seemed to be somewhere between admitting that the hazing happened and denying it. Remember that community meeting at the Ginger Monkey where no questions were asked, but the community was supposed to heal? I talked to reporter Ryan Cody about all of that. The stance that the district is taking is that they're, they have not been charged, so no disciplinary action will be taken against them. And they're also saying that the action to remove Steve Bellis as head coach of the team is not a disciplinary action. Well, what is it? I mean, if, if you take a guy who's just off winning state championships and just say he's no longer the coach of the team, well, there's got to be a reason for that. Yeah, there's a lot of disconnect, especially going through some of this. There's a lot of disconnect between Nathaniel Thomas's lawyer saying nothing happened. But if something did happen, Steve Bellis knew about it. Mm-hmm. Then the school district is saying nothing happened, but we're not going to let Steve Bellis coach the football yeah, team anymore. And I know. So, well, what? It's sketchy. The police report said the coaches didn't know what was going on in their own teams, a lawyer calling out Steve Bellis, Bellis being fired as coach. Everyone was trying to find Steve Bellis to get him to talk. He was about to. I was the captain of the ship. Um, I'm the one being held responsible. That interview, next time on Downfall. Downfall was produced by 12 News and me, William Pitts. Special thanks to Monique Riego, Charlie Entsity, and Ryan Cody. Visit Downfall online at 12news.com slash downfall.